is to give you thanks for who you are, for what you've done for us. We praise you for your creation, for the, the beauty of the sun, for the crisp weather this morning, for the way that you are faithful through the seasons. We praise you for your presence among us by your spirit and how you wake us up each morning with a breath of life to give us strength to live and move and breathe in your kingdom. God, we praise you and thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ in rescuing us and saving us. And we pray that, that we may live faithfully in your kingdom as your people. We trust that you're doing that even now among us uh, through the, the work of uh, each member of our congregation and other churches in this area and around our nation as we seek to call faithfully upon your name and serve faithfully in your name wherever you've placed us. We think in our community of moms and tots and the work they do among us. We think of Ebenezer Christian School. We pray for the ways that you uh, call people and put people into our lives uh, for us to serve them and speak your name in their lives. We pray to God that you comfort and protect us, especially be with those who are elderly and isolated, for, for those who are sick and recovering, for those who are lonely and hurting. We pray that you that you by your spirit give a breath of air and life and comfort to them, and that you may bind us together as one body. We trust that you are doing that in our midst even now, even in the midst of, of difficult illnesses in our community. We pray especially for Joby and for June and for Jake as, that you work healing in their bodies. And for the other names uh, that are on our lips and our hearts, God, you hear them even now as we say them. So we we give you thanks and praise for what you're doing in our midst, for the way you give another year of life to Joan and Keegan and Robert. We pray that you continue to guide and protect us. We pray for Judy and Jenna as they come before this congregation next week to give profession of faith, to call publicly on the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We praise you for the ways that you are working good in our midst, and we trust that you are our faithful God always and forever, the one who guides us and protects us and leads us through this land of sorrow into the land of your kingdom, the truly good and promised land. And we look forward to that day when we can do that, when we, with every knee, bow down and give praise to Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, I invite you to receive the words on screen or perhaps open a Bible if you'd like, if you have one on hand. We'll read verses 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but from Jesus, by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and with all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. 
as we have already said, I'll say it again. So if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Uh, Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come among us now, we pray, that as we come to your word, we may meet Jesus Christ, the living word, the one who rescues us. Open our ears to hear and our hearts by your spirit to receive your word for us today. This we pray in Jesus' name and by the Spirit's power. Amen. Today we're we're kicking off a summer series in the book of Galatians. This summer series uh, begins with Galatians 1 and we'll split Galatians all the way through the summer until Labor Day, give or take a few weeks. And I'm calling it for now, Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Because Galatians is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, The question is, since Jesus rescues us, how should we live? We live in the Spirit. And that's my short two-sentence summary of the whole book of Galatians. Now, Galatians is an unusual book. First of all, it's a short book. It's one of the shortest uh, letters that Paul wrote, and it's, it's an easy one to study. It's a favorite one for many people. In fact, I recommend, if you have a chance this summer sometime, to sit down and read the whole thing all the way through in one sitting or, or listen to it on an audiobook form. It's a great gospel to hear, and I promise you the Spirit will challenge you somehow or another as you do it. In fact, I'm planning on doing that every week. Once a week, I'll read through the whole gospel in some version or another uh, to hear what the Spirit's word is for our church. Now, Galatians is unusual in lots of other ways, too, because Paul is not exactly happy with the Galatians. See, uh, you, you can probably tell, and if I were to pick an emoji to sum up Paul's feeling in the book, it might be one of the angry ones. Uh, maybe not the, the, the full-on red-faced one uh, or the one with steam blowing out of its nose. Maybe, let's go to the next one, the one with, with clenched eyes and a zigzag mouth. Uh, it's the one I call a frustrated face. That's Paul here in Galatians. He is frustrated with them. You can take it down now. Now, Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia. That's a a part of uh, modern-day Turkey, kind of in the middle of Turkey. And on his first missionary journey, Paul went there to a bunch of cities, Lystra, Derbe, Iconium, and he preached the gospel, first in the synagogues and then really to anyone who would listen. And when he got home from there, when he got back to Antioch, to his home church, he found trouble. Some people had come down from Jerusalem, and they had stirred up trouble in the church. They were saying that the Gentile believers had to become Jews. And this was a problem for the Antioch Christians because most of them weren't Jews. They were from every nation under the earth. They were the first multicultural church in this bustling port city. And Paul was furious with these interlopers. See, these people, this church, had already believed the good news. And the proof is that they received the Spirit. So uh, that was the promise of Jesus for every believer. And now they have to do something more. They have to follow the strange and heavy demands of the Jewish law to be Christians. No way, says Paul, not under my watch. 
And then Paul takes his case. Uh, he took his case up to the court, to the de facto leaders of the church in Jerusalem, the, the elders and the remaining apostles who were still alive. A few weeks ago, we heard them argue the case back and forth in Acts chapter 15. They went on and on, but finally it came down to this. Gentiles have received the Spirit. It's clear from their faith. It's clear from the way they live. It's clear from the signs and wonders that God's doing among them. Who are we to stand in the way of the Spirit? So they decided not to put any burden on them, not the the burden of Moses' law. All they asked is that the Gentiles live like, like sojourners, like visitors in Jewish lands so that they could eat together, so that the church could share the Lord's Supper together. But the troublemakers weren't done. They went on from Antioch into the province of Galatia, this new area of believers, and they went to these new believers, these Gentiles, and they told them they weren't good enough. They said, you aren't true Christians unless you become Jews. And they had to follow all the Jewish laws, they said, up to, up to and including circumcision. Now, Remember what I said a few weeks ago. These preachers were trying their best to make sure that these Gentile Christians would become part of God's covenant blessings. But they didn't understand that God's blessings go all the way back to Abraham, to God's promise to Abraham, not to the law. God said to Abraham, I will bless all peoples on earth through you. And somehow Paul got word of what had happened in Galatia. And it's not clear whether he found out before he went up to Jerusalem or after he got back. But either way, as soon as he found out, he dashed off this quick letter to them. And you can tell he's frustrated. It's not just his harsh words, although we see plenty of those. It's even in the introduction to this book. You see, Paul is this masterful letter writer. He knows his crafts. And the the openings of his letters are so carefully crafted to lay out the foundation of what he's going to say. It's kind of like a thesis statement for his letter. He sets off the tone right from the beginning. He defends his credentials. He is an apostle sent by Jesus Christ himself. He wasn't sent by any one person or even a group of people. His authority comes from Jesus Christ and from God the Father. Oh, yes, and and all the brothers and sisters are with him on this, the whole church in Antioch. What's really unusual about the, the beginning of Galatians is how short it is, how short the greeting of the letter is. You see, every proper Roman letter had to have a greeting section. Paul probably learned how to do it in school. You you thank the gods, you greet the person you're writing to, uh, you praise them, and then you move on to whatever you're going to say. But Paul's greeting and thanksgiving sections are unusually long. Uh, Just turn to any other letter Paul writes to compare. Take uh, Ephesians, the next letter. Uh, Paul writes uh, in 23 verses of chapter 1. He takes time to praise God and to give thanks for their faith. And then he ends by saying, ever since I heard of the faith, the the Lord Jesus, and and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. There's none of that in Galatians. There's no thanksgiving. There's not even a prayer for them. He just sends them grace and peace, which is the, the bare minimum that Paul can do without being rude. He sets out his main point. He says, Jesus gave himself to rescue us. That is God's glorious plan. And then... Then he lays into them. He's astonished. He's surprised. He's shocked at the news he's heard because they have abandoned the grace of Jesus Christ and turned to another gospel. They are deserters. They've been convinced by someone uh, that Paul's preaching is not good enough. Really, it goes even deeper. They've been convinced that they are not good enough. 
that Jesus' grace isn't enough to save them, that somehow they have to keep the Jewish law. And it's no wonder that Paul says that they've turned from uh, Jesus to another gospel. And then he drives the knife in a little further, and he says, they've given, this gospel is no gospel at all. They've given up grace for good works. They've gone from this life in the spirit to life in the flesh. And Paul knows who's to blame. It's not your fault, dear Galatians, that some people have confused you. They've perverted the gospel of Jesus. They've mingled the law and the gospel, says Martin Luther. They've mixed up grace with good works. But still, still he's mad at them. Still he's frustrated at them. He seems personally offended because Paul has this such a high view of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this amazing good news. Jesus has rescued us. How could they go back? How, how could they think that any part of, they could have any part in earning Jesus' grace? They, they could deserve Jesus' rescue. Even worse, they should know better. Having heard the truly good news of Jesus' grace, nothing else can compare, right? But even if Paul came back again, he says, even if I come back again, or even if an angel from heaven comes and preaches a different gospel, they should know better. Paul is so sure of this, he says it twice. He says that anyone who preaches this not gospel should fall under God's curse. Anathema. They have believed the gospel, so how could they? Now, you might think that that's not a problem we have these days. You know, we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Well, not so fast. See, I, I heard a pastor say he saw a t-shirt in a Christian catalog that illustrates this. It, it said, Jesus did his best, now you do the rest. Jesus did his best, you do the rest. Well, he calls that hogwash and heresy. It's the same heresy that the Galatians fell for. They thought they had to do something to earn their salvation. Not so fast, says Paul. Now, I did a bit of fact-checking and Googling to try to find this T-shirt, and the closest I could find was this one, if you can put it on screen. It says, I do my best, and Jesus does the rest. I do my best, and Jesus does the rest. It's almost, but not quite the same as the one that pastor said, but nearly as bad. Like, it, like there's something we do to earn our salvation, and then Jesus fills in the cracks. No, that, that's hogwash and heresy, to quote Scott Jose. And maybe you don't believe that. Uh, you can take it down now. Maybe you don't believe that, but good on you. But, but the idea that we can do something to earn God's grace still sometimes creeps into our faith. I, I think it's part of our human nature, really. Uh, we'd rather feel like we deserve God's grace. We'd rather have some part in it, even a small part. Maybe it looks like uh, what's called the, the prosperity gospel, this false gospel that says that if you pray hard enough, God will give you health and wealth and happiness. Or maybe it's the flip side of that. If you're now sick and suffering and sad, you must deserve it somehow. Or maybe you didn't pray hard enough. Maybe you did something bad. I, I want to be clear, that is false. That's not how God's logic works. And maybe it's the, this, what I'd call the, the national prosperity gospel. This idea that somehow if we pray hard enough, God will bless our nation. That's not how God's kingdom works. It's all based on grace, pure grace, undeserved, unmerited grace. It's grace all the way down. And for Paul, for Paul, it all ends and begins with God's grace. 
He died. He gave himself up for our sins. And God raised him from the dead by his grace and power. And Jesus rescues us from our sins, from the the messed up way of thinking of this world, this logic of the world that says that we can do something to deserve God's grace, that, that we can keep the gods happy by saying the right things or giving the right sacrifices, that we deserve, that we can do anything to earn God's grace, God's unmerited mercy and favor. And Paul points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what Paul preached in Galatia was not Paul's gospel. It's not a human thing, he says. I couldn't have made it up. It's absurd. A human gospel would make a whole lot more sense than this. No, says Paul, this gospel isn't human. No one taught me this. It comes straight from Jesus Christ. See, Jesus revealed himself to Paul on that day on the Damascus Road. And back in the day, Paul was the number one persecutor of the church. Jesus showed up to Paul on that day. He showed him who he was, and that moment changed everything for Paul. It changed the whole church. So the question of Paul's authority goes back to this meeting Jesus. Is, Paul, is Paul's preaching as important as the original apostles of Jesus? Well, yes, he says, because he too heard directly from Jesus. It is one and the same gospel. Jesus rescues us. Jesus saves us as his kingdom people. It's all for Jesus' name and glory. One of my favorite hobbies when I'm reading scripture is to, to, to ask, what is the gospel in this passage? How does this, this part of the scripture define the gospel? And we've seen a lot of different definitions along the way. Uh, last, uh, earlier this year when we were studying the gospel of Luke, we saw how Jesus defined the gospel as God's kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, We saw a few weeks ago how Philip defined the gospel as the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And here, here Paul says the gospel is that Jesus rescues us. See, Paul reminds them that faith, believing the good news of Jesus, doesn't ever begin with us. It begins with God. Uh, Martin Luther says God creates faith and keeps us in it. God creates faith and keeps us in it. God's Spirit works in us to produce faith. And we believe in in the Son, Jesus Christ, and we become children of God, the Father. It's it's all one package, grace, through the work of the triune God in us. So how do we respond to God's grace? If I were to try my hand at making a slogan for a Christian t-shirt to make a million dollars selling it in Christian bookstores, it would be a little bit different than the ones I saw. It would say something like, Jesus freed me. I'm forever thankful. I I know that's not quite as catchy. Maybe Jesus rescued me, so what can I do but live a faithful and holy life? Not very catchy, is it? I'm working on it. But our response to God's grace is always thanksgiving. It's this thanksgiving that requires a different kind of life. It's a life shaped around faithfully following God. It's a life of holiness and thankfulness. And and if you ever get the idea of reading Galatians or listening to the gospel that somehow you, you can just get away with anything because Jesus has done it all for you, Paul has a different thing coming for you later on in Galatians. No, we respond to God's grace in faithful, holy living. We respond by living in the Spirit. And that means we produce the fruit of the Spirit 
And next week, we will hear Paul give his testimony, a bit of the story of how God's grace caught him and changed his life forever. We'll we'll go through Galatians 1, the second half, and maybe a little bit into chapter 2. We'll see how he came to believe the exact opposite of what he used to believe, that God's grace brings about faith and keeps us in it, that how God brought faith in Paul's life. And we'll also hear next week the, the testimony of two young women, Judy and Jenna, about how God came and caught them and gathered them in the faith of Jesus Christ. It's all about grace. For Paul, for us, it's all about grace because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything else is a cheap counterfeit, a a twisted version of the gospel that ends up being not very good news at all, but very bad news indeed. Imagine if we had to do something to deserve being saved. That would be slavery all over again. Slaves to sin, slaves to the law. No, says Paul to the Galatians. No, no, no. God's grace does not work that way. Jesus rescues us by his grace alone. His his grace and nothing we have done or could ever do can earn that grace. All we can do is accept it and give thanks to God for it and live like it changes everything. Because it does, dear friends of Jesus Christ, Jesus rescues us by his grace, and grace changes everything. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, your grace for us changes us. And we respond to that grace with thanksgiving and praise for your name, for what you've done for us. Thank you that you saved us uh, from, from this world and its messed up way of thinking. Thank you that you save us to be your kingdom people in the world, working for the good of your will. And we pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Transform our lives by your grace to be your kingdom people in, in faithful and holy living. That we may never uh, fall for a not gospel, a false gospel, anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ and what you've done for us. We pray that you continue to call us by your spirit back to the gospel when we stray, that we may faithfully live it and proclaim it. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. Amen. We respond to the grace of God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus, by singing a a song uh, that speaks of this grace in our lives.